1: Cool, let's just do it one more time. Why? Because we love making movies! Hey everybody, I'm Aaron Bolo and welcome to my podcast, Because We Love Making Movies. Today is a special day because I'm talking to an artist who was part of making a film that reminds me why I love films and filmmaking so much. Because just when we think we've seen it all, a movie comes along that takes an old form and reshapes it in such a different way that it's suddenly thrilling and really exciting. In this instance, I'm talking about a crazy experiment by Marvel Studios. It's the directorial debut of composer, Michael Giacchino, Werewolf by Night. It stars Gael Garcia Bernal, along with a flawless cast of actors. It's both a beautiful homage to the black and white universal monster movies of old and a genre mashup. And the result is an action horror film that feels like American Werewolf of London meets the Hateful Eight. My guest is the makeup artist who creates a murderer's row of incredible faces which define all of our characters because in this rogues gallery, their faces and war paint are how we meet them and ultimately how we understand them. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome the Jack Pierce or Millicent Patrick of Werewolf by Night, Ellen Arden. Welcome, Ellen.
0: Oh my, oh my God, those are big shoes to fill. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you Hello? filled them. You filled them. You absolutely filled them. trying Trying so thank you for doing this and i guess uh let's just start with because i i want to get to how you got into being a filmmaker and a makeup artist but how did this job come along how did you how did you connect with michael and marvel
0: um so the year previous to when we started shooting um werewolf by night which weirdly enough was last february so it was very like wow a quick turnaround for us um before that, I had shot at the end of the year. I had shot um, reshoots for Hawkeye, and that's where I met uh, the unit production manager and the production supervisor who went on to do Buzz Cut. A lot. It seems like a lot of the Marvel streaming stuff is uh-huh. handled by like sets of teams.
2: Uh huh. Uh-huh.
0: And um, Leanne Stonebreaker, who was our line producer um, slash UPM on Buzz Cut, which werewolf by night. Sorry. I always say buzz cut because it was our code name. That's okay. Like we no, 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 To say werewolf by night. I love it.
1: I love it. We just got it. We just got a very cool insight. And I was like, buzz right? cut. I'm like, I'm like, okay, I, I have to ask what oh, buzz yeah. cut is. <laughs>
0: so if I, if I say buzz cut, I'm, I'm talking about werewolf by night.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Um, <laughs> anyways. Um, and we all just loved working together. We just had such a good time. Um, and so when we went to do uh werewolf by night uh they called me and also like i think they thought that i would be a good fit for the project just because i had all these like marvel dc films in my uh on my resume and then also at the same time i had a lot of horror films Mm -hmm. like i did the whole fear street franchise a few years ago oh
1: wow wow Um, fantastic
0: and so i think it just seemed like i was a good fit because i was um you know i was I could relate to both areas mm-hmm. that we were trying to marry together.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you sort of have, did you have a love for the genre, sort of for the, for the horror genre, before, I mean, before you, before you made those films?
0: Oh, totally. I feel like if you're a makeup artist, um, and maybe like there's some makeup artists out there that just do not like horror and don't mm-hmm. want to work in it. Mm-hmm. But, um, I definitely, I, I love horror. I don't get to work on it very often because I work, um, you know, I do a lot of big budget type projects Mm -hmm. and we don't see a lot of big budget horror films.
2: Right. Right.
0: Um, and so I get, you know, I finally was able to like do something that was like really cool and unique by working at werewolf by night.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, because, you know, like we, like I said, we were marrying those two worlds into something kind of new, but also that was grounded in these pulp Mm -hmm. comics of the past, which I thought was a really cool thing. So, um, but yes, I, I mean, I love horror films. I, I get a little bloodlust sometimes.
1: <laughs> like what, I
0: love blood work. What, what, uh,
1: what, uh, what, um, um, what was sort of the movie when you were, when you were growing up that we were like, Oh my God, this is what a horror movie is. And this is what I want to do. Or, or at least even just as a fan, not even so much as an artist, you remember?
0: I don't know. I mean, I think it, Weirdly enough, I think a movie that made a huge impact on me as a per, like a little person when I was mm-hmm. a little kid uh was Night of the Lepus. It was like the first oh, yeah, movie yeah, that was yeah. horrifying to me.
1: The Killer Rabbits, right? It's like the <laughs> The
0: Killer the, Rabbits, I yes. had nightmares about it.
1: It's it's terrifying. It's like Food of the Gods. Like those are disturbing movies. They're kind of weirdly disturbing because they're about yeah. nature and humanity and then the effects it's like I feel like a lot of those effects are goofy and then they're not and they scare the shit out of you
0: yeah and like the rabbits they're just like you know that it's like an ultra close-up of this rabbit's face
1: Mm, mm.
0: (laughs) and they just have so much blood all over their little faces and it was just horrifying when i was a kid because i grew up on a farm in the middle of michigan oh wow so here these little creatures were that we we had Mm. and they were like killing people <laughs> I was like this is horrifying. And so that was the first movie that I can recall that kind of like bothered me and uh-huh, uh-huh. had like an emotional response. Of course I was I think I was like 6 years old when I saw it.
1: Oh that's beautiful. That I mean I guess one of the reasons I responded and was so moved, and I don't use that lightly by your movie, Werewolf by Night, is that, you know, when I was a kid growing up, probably my very first introduction into horror movies was, you know, the universal horror movies, you know, and and Mm -hmm. distinctly Creature from the Black Lagoon and Frankenstein and the Mummy and the Wolfman. And so, you know, and then As you become a filmmaker, you figure you find out that they're like these kind of B movies that were made very quickly, and the Val Luton and the James Whale of it all, you know. And and but the craft of them was always, I feel it's this combination of the design, obviously the makeup and the sets, but also the black and white, which I've always found magical. Like black and white to me is one of those things that you just see it and you automatically whether it's a still photograph or motion picture, it just blow, you know, it, it sucks you in. So I guess, I guess first let, let, let's tell tell the audience, cause I was not aware of werewolf by night as a comic. I, I thought this was kind of a crazy original idea Were you, so tell us a little bit, tell us exactly what werewolf by night is, is, and is about, and then, and we'll get into the, to the making of it.
0: Um, so, the original comics feature Jack Russell, okay, who does not look like Gael at all. He's like this blonde white guy right. um and basically, he's the um he's he's living with this family curse. Hmm. and um there's a whole history there. and it's it's actually a really cool story. Like I love all of those like pulpy um comic stories from like the 60s like tomb of dracula and Mm. werewolf by night like um even the moon knight character you know all of those characters seem like they're almost more human than the actual superheroes themselves sure um which is interesting because like you know horror films monsters in general are kind of um you know they're just they're like us in the sense that when we feel different or we feel like an outsider, mm-hmm. it kind of really resonates in that realm, like monsters are that's what they are. Or they're like, you know, a depiction of the time in the films are like a depiction of the things that are happening mm-hmm. in that time. Like, um, you know, Dracula and like women's rights. There's like some, some stuff there about that. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, so for that, uh, you know, I knew about the story, I think, um, a little bit, I didn't like, it wasn't something that I, I knew because it's not something that we see in like the MCU. And it's mm-hmm. not something that I've worked on before, or like, even thought that Marvel would be kind of willing to dip their toe into,
1: Right. I right. guess. Me neither.
0: Um So it, it definitely came out of left field. Um, but, you know, I think it was a really cool, Whole story,
1: yeah. Because I guess, for and for the listener who hasn't seen it, it's like it's basically we come into this sort of uh, uh, this sort of dark black and white corner of the Marvel universe where it, it's it's the they they tell us about the Bloodstone family who are this legendary tribe of monster hunters who use this Bloodstone right to to uh, uh, I believe hunt monsters. It's part of the hunting of the monsters, and the patriarch of that family, Ulysses Bloodstone, has died on this night, and the the death dealers and the hunters, the best of the best have gathered at his home for this final hunt uh, to sort of see who's going to get the Bloodstone. And of course you have Gal Barnell's character who shows up as kind of the mysterious stranger. And then who we who we find out it, it has killed the most monsters and is sort of the biggest badass of the bunch. And then Ulysses Bloodstone's estranged daughter, Elsa, who's played by, who is the actress? The, uh, Laura Donnelly. Laura Don, she, fanta- mm-hmm. she's fantastic. So, it's so fantastic, and both Gael and her have this like echoes of Lon Chaney and Elsa Lancaster, and you know, like they they they're so of that world with their faces. I mean, all the actors, but then basically they're all set to hunt this monster to see who's going to win the Bloodstone. And what you discover is that Gael Garcia Bernal is this revered monster hunter who's actually a monster, and has this relationship. Or this connection, rather, with with uh, uh, Elsa, with Lord Donnelly's character, and and it's just it's first of all, I love that it was like a TV special, (laughs) you know, like a TV movie, (laughs) and and even the way it starts with kind of the when you watch it on Disney Plus, the kind of the kind of HBO uh, uh, you know special fanfare, and then it goes into the title sequence, and then you're brought into this beautiful black and white world that is such an homage to these Val Lewton James Whale movies and you're introduced to all these fabulous characters. And for me, it marries sort of the best stuff of Marvel, which is the sort of graphic design of the world and the humor, you know, because it has such a great sense of humor from the get-go um so i guess talk about meeting michael and and sort of how you guys work together and then how you approach black and white you know and then i and then i and then we can get into sort of the specifics of these great faces cuz really you could talk for hours about each of the faces that you created but uh just talk about how you prepared to do something like this in black and white and and working with michael who for those who don't know michael giacchino who's the director of this He's a legendary composer who's done all the everything from all the Pixar scores to Star Wars to Star Trek to Lost back in the day and this is his first movie as a director.
0: Right. Um so Michael and I uh we had like a tremendous amount of meetings. I think for this project specifically, we had a lot of prep time. So we had a lot of leading up to what we were going to shoot. Um we were able to kind of like go in and see the set designs that were happening and Um, you know, there was a lot of communication between, um, the costume designer and us. And, you know, we were making this world, like I said earlier, like it doesn't, it doesn't exist until this period of time. So we were creating new characters and also, um, you know, it was the, the coming out of Jack Russell and Elsa Bloodstone Mm -hmm. and those characters already exist in the comics. And at the same time, we have to figure out how, who these other people are since they don't exist in the comics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so we had a lot of meetings, a lot of back and forth about um, ideas for each of these people, and uh, which was great because I love collaboration. Mm-hmm. I like it when a director's involved with us. And you know, at the same time, though, he um, would give us a lot of creative freedom. I think on this project specifically, we had more creative freedom for a lot of the character work than a majority of things that i've worked on
1: wow wow um
0: it was overall it was a great experience he's such a focused um human Hmm. (laughs) michael is so great at knowing the task at hand and also like multitasking so i feel like i saw him um creating the score while we were shooting (laughs) Um, his downtime, him and his assistant, <laughs> would be like writing music while we were shooting. <laughs> um, you know, in between setups, he would just be there with his laptop, just kind of going through stuff. And so he's he's definitely a force to be reckoned with. Um, and he's also he loves these movies like he loves that character mm-hmm. you could tell that he had like a passion for old monster films mm-hmm. and he had this you know reaching idea of of who these characters are and, and what the end product would look like so i i think that he had like a true vision
2: mm-hmm. of
0: where we were going and where we would end up
2: mm-hmm.
0: for us specifically in the makeup department we didn't know that we were we were going to end up being released in black and white Wow. Um, We we knew that there was a possibility that the project could come out in black and white, but we knew that it still had to be like a spectacle in color in the event that it was released in in color.
2: Hmm.
0: And I believe Michael came out uh, maybe a couple weeks ago, like right after it it, uh, debuted, he came out and mentioned that you know marvel wasn't necessarily on the same page of whether or not they wanted it in black and white
1: just so crazy and
0: (laughs) and then he was like no this is what it should look like and then they were like oh yeah this is perfect so um i'm definitely glad that he hung on to that because it's it's so beautiful like the, the film itself is so beautiful and unique to marvel
1: I can't imagine it any other way, you know. Um and and also, you know, spoiler alert for your Wizard of Oz moment at the end. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. I like I make me cry. I mean, it's like it's so it's so perfect. You know what I mean? You go, "Holy shit." It you know, just when it can't get <laughs> right. any any better. And so I guess okay, so so that that's that blows the question out of the water only because cuz it's like you have movies like Nightmare Alley, right, with which Guillermo, another great lover of monster shoots it in color, but with a black and white contrast, then releases a black and white cut. George Miller did the same thing with Mad Max Fury Road. So you guys were doing it in color, hoping it would be in black and white, but you could actually it could actually live as a color movie, right? And all your work would have the same intention. Oh, totally. Wow. I
0: think we just kind of had to, to make smart decisions and plan for either scenario. I would mm. hope that at some point they release it in color because yeah. it is incredibly striking in color. The you know, the color palette for the production design is like this kind of dark academia type feel to it. Mm. Um, And a lot of our character work uh, has a lot of color incorporated into it. But when we were thinking about whether or not it would turn into black and white, we had to make these decisions um, of how color translates to black and white and, you know, how that's going to be impacted by uh, change in contrast and the tonalities. So right.
1: Cause the tone thing I know is the big thing where that's why you would see old sets in the day and they were a lot of green and red and very bright colors that would hold the contrast correct when you photograph it in black and white, which, which is why I, I know now I'm just kind of thinking of this. Now you guys have all the wonderful green leaves in the labyrinth and everything. Right. I mean that, that, Mm -hmm. that, that was such a beautiful choice too. But so, uh, uh, I guess, so just when you were talking, when you're thinking now about makeup and character, how do you, how do you work with, you know, the actors? Like specifically, we'll start with Gael with his sort of wonderful kind of day of the dead inspired, you know, face. Like, are you, is that something you're coming up with, with Michael and the production designer, or are you coming up with that with Gael? Like, how are you guys arriving at those decisions?
0: I think, so when we first started to do testing, um, for Gael's character, Mm -hmm. we we knew that we wanted to do something that was like an homage to his ancestors. Mm -hmm. You know, a majority of the hunters, when you meet all of them, have some sort of face paint on. Mm -hmm. Um, And we wanted all of those hunters to kind of have something from maybe where they're from, Mm -hmm. to kind of give you some sort of idea of, that they, they came from all over the world mm-hmm. or all over the universe, basically, to, to come to this event. Because Ulysses is such, like, a huge, important person to them. He is the monster hunter.
2: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. um And the bloodstone is, like, this incredibly important object. And if you have it, you hold all this power, right? So all these people come from all over. With Gael's character, um, we knew that we wanted to do something. He also has to seem like he fits into this group when he shows up mm-hmm. he can't be the odd one out um and so we had done testing but we knew that we didn't want to do something that was commercialized mm-hmm. um you know if you look at day uh, of the dead makeup this is just like these highly elaborate um you know skeleton type makeups that have lots of color and flowers incorporated mm-hmm. kind of like a, a gypsy type motif to them mm-hmm. um but we didn't want to do that we wanted to lean more into traditional day of the dead stuff
2: mm-hmm.
0: and so we tested some stuff we tried a bunch of different things we even tried uv makeup and how that would interact with oh, wow. the lights that we were using um, and it was a lot of working too with um, Zoe White, who is our DP.
1: Awesome. Cool. Um,
0: trying to, you know, marry all these ideas together and see what was going to work best with the lighting.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, um, you know, also keeping in mind of notes that Gael might have about it. Mm-hmm. So Marvel, at the end of the day, uh, Michael and Marvel decides to go and they get a Chicana artist whose name is Rosanna Um And so she designs this day of the dead kind of look for us to kind of use as a, you know, a template for what Jack will look like. Wow. Um, So for us, like we had to take that, turn it into a three dimensional form, because obviously she kind of just drew the, the outline, like the outlines of what we were going to be doing. And then we had to kind of marry all those ideas together. And make it work for camera and uh-huh. keep all of these different departments and how all those departments were going to impact each other to make sure that it all felt cohesive.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, it almost, at the end of the day, it looks almost, it reminded me a little bit of 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 like Maori face tattooing or or, you know, like it felt very personal, like he did it you know it 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 wasn't mm-hmm. like oh he's all of them felt like that which was so 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 cool i mean even and even marrying with the the you know the out the costumes they had n- none of them felt like costumes they felt like their clothing you know which i thought was another like you said the cohesive i know it's so nice to hear on a, on a well-oiled machine like this, when you, when you get a great movie like this, it's because you guys are all working so well together in symphony, you know, right. Right? Because it's like everybody, I, I love, I love hearing that. And also you guys bringing in, uh, uh, you know, an authentic artist to do, to do the art that inspires your work with Gael. Um, that is just so cool. Uh, and I guess, uh, you know, I guess talk about maybe some of the other hunters, like, who the woman who's all in white who has kind of the Boris Karloff <laughs> vibe. Oh, she's like my one of my favorites. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> she's so striking and so you're like holy shit, do not fuck with her. Uh but yeah, what w- what was the inspiration for how did you kind of Obviously, I'm sure you went character by character, but I but I just love to hear little tidbits about each of those people, how you kind of distinguish them because they're so they're so wonderful.
0: Yeah. So, um You know, we wanted them to look like they had been plucked from wherever in Mm. the world. But also, we didn't want them to be, like, specific to an area. Mm. Um, For her, when we saw her her costume, I was like, man, like, we have to do something crazy for her. She has to, she's also, uh, Eugenie, who is the actress,
1: Mm.
0: is also a, she's a model for Balenciaga.
1: She's so guts um, it with the fur and the sort of <laughs> angles, right? She looks like she's going to the club. I mean, she like, you she know does. what I
0: mean? <laughs> <laughs> she's about to run, walk off the runway. It's pretty yeah, great. It's
1: very Blade Runner, um, you know?
0: <laughs> right. Um, and so this like, when the the wardrobe was described to me, it was made of uh Wendigo fur and uh, she's got this leather on and she's just like so tall and like lanky and the way she moves. So when we were putting her look together, I kind of wanted something that looked reminiscent of the runway. And so we pulled all these ideas from there. Fortunately, she was, she was all in because I, you know, the first day she came in uh, to our office and we're talking to us about her character. And we, that's what we do. We always get feedback from them, what they're thinking about their character before we kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, pitch them our ideas about them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Eugenie is such a, she's so open to ideas and she's just, she just wants to have a good time and like play this character and focus on her acting and like do all the things. And I think everyone, you know, our cast was so excited to be there and do something new and different Mm -hmm. that when, when I pitched crazy ideas, everybody was like, sure. Okay. (laughs) So I I was like, can you, we want you to bleach your eyebrows and we're going to give you this like really gaunt, kind of crazy look and and i think it really works for her when you see her on camera she's so striking she's Absolutely. also got really dark hair and um she's got these metal chains coming through her hair yeah. Uh because we wanted her to look like a fierce dangerous person
1: mm. she i mean she does right away i mean it's it's uh i, I mean and so i i mean my favorite probably actor like just just in the movie has to be harriet sansom harris because i just think she's a beast like she just like i i love that ever since she's in phantom thread then it's licorice pizza and it's like every great director is like Paul, paul thomas anderson i feel like introduced her to the world and now every good director if you have the budget like get her and she's just so great and and what i love about her is she has this progression of looks right that you were able to execute particularly to the when she's wearing the kind of weird eyes wide shut helmet with the bl- eye black that becomes her thing mm-hmm. for the end of it but talk about working with her and and how you guys arrived at at her at her character you know via makeup cuz she's just so she's such a fantastic you know sort of uh unsung hero of the movie a little bit to me
0: right um so Harriet, like when we first meet her um, as Rarusa, we see that like she's, you know, she's a grieving widow. Michael had notes about her coming from like old money and he wanted her to have this air about her. Um, so we did something that was, you know, it that's what it felt like. It just felt very uh, grounded in reality and kind of uptight as her mm-hmm. initial look. Mm-hmm. I love that they have this like... Uh, in her hair, they have this like white streak that kind of goes through. Mm -hmm, And, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. I think her look as, as like an old money type character really came through because the whole package was right there. Mm -hmm, And then mm -hmm. at some point though, she's kind of, you know, we know that she's kind of crazy and we know that she's kind of ruthless, um, with, because of her dialogue and Mm -hmm. her acting during, you know, when we're, initially seeing her at the casket and her interaction with uh, Elsa in the hallway. Mm. Um, But when we were looking at her and uh, reading the script, I was like this, I really want her to like come in to this cage and have this moment of just like taking her power back. Because uh, when we see her at the, the funeral or the memorial where the casket's at, um we see that you know she's she's clearly you know she's she's keeping it together but she's not like you know she's a widow but she's not really participating in the hunt she's just kind of like the master of ceremonies Mm -hmm. for this hunt that's about to happen um she says that elsa's fair game Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: she she just has these things where there's like an undercurrent there but when she comes into that cage and takes takes the mask off and mm-hmm. takes her cloak back, you know, I was like, she has to have like this crazy moment where it's like she just joined the hunt. Mm-hmm. And she's gonna like she's willing to sacrifice her her stepdaughter. and like all of this all these crazy, you know, this crazy power shift for her. I really mm-hmm. wanted that to happen. And so I had gone to Michael and I said, I know this is crazy, but I think that she needs to have this like reveal moment. And so we tested some stuff and um, her makeup artist, her name is Jessica Craig, uh, who was also my key. She did such a great job trying to figure out uh, how that makeup would translate to look crazy in color, but also translate to to black and white with all these like tonal shifts because oh, we knew right. that we would get moments where they punched in on her for ultra-tight close-ups. Right. Uh, and we just wanted her to be scary. We wanted her to look crazy.
1: Yeah. You mission, accompl- mission. accomplished. Mission accomplished.
0: <laughs> yeah, when I first saw it, when I first saw the the initial cut of the film, uh, she like takes that off and her hair is just all fucked up. And I was like, man, she looks so good and then you know she's like in this moment where she's just ultra crazy and just like holding the bloodstone and chanting and I was like god she just looks so great on camera and the camera department um came up to us that day and they said this is our favorite and I feel like that's when you know (laughs) you know that you're doing really good like great work when another department comes up and they're like we love this
1: wow Wow. That's so cool. I mean, she is, she was my favorite, A uh, uh, sort of also, you know, uh, her performance, she has this thing always where you don't know if she's going to laugh or cry. You know what I mean? Like she's so unpredictable totally. in her, fa- and her face is so just amazing for cinema. And then, uh, uh, I'm so, and then also the, you're talking about the shock of White is like this total shout out to Bride of Frankenstein, which I think they put a little shock of White in the back of Elsa's hair. Uh, I w- like when she's like walking down the hallway, I was like, oh, she has a little white in the back of her, in the back of her hair, like as a little bit of a connective tissue. But I'm, I'm so curious, what was, uh, what, 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 what color was this on Harriet's face? Uh, like, was it still black or what were the, what were the colors you were playing with on her face? If it had to be in color.
0: It's primary red. So oh, it's, my,
1: it's, so it's like it's blood. An-
0: it's like blood. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> I know. That's why I was like, man, uh, people need to see this
1: in color. No, God damn. No, I'm, like, I'm with you. I'm so with you. <laughs> oh,
0: shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's primary red. And then we also had to mix in like these violet tones into the red to give it dimension for when it would be translated into black and white. But on camera, I think it's like this. Because we see her and she's like teary-eyed and and her makeup at the beginning is kind of runny yeah, um, near yeah. her eyes. We kind of just carried that through where it's just th- these like bloody streaks on her face. Wow! And it looks great in color. I I hope I hope that someone releases it in color at some point.
1: Yeah, you guys. But- you guys should at least do a cool uh, uh, exhibit of of because they did it on Mank, which is another one of my very favorite black and white movies that I feel like is a cousin to you guys because you guys did this digitally and you guys did the change reels and all the cool stuff that Fincher did uh, and Michael did it. Uh, but like they did a really cool thing where it was color and black and white stills next to each other. So you could see mm-hmm. what was what they did a whole thing. Uh, I think it was in maybe Vanity Fair or whatever. But anyway, that would love, that would be a cool exhibit for you guys to do. Like Even if it was on Instagram or something. Uh, oh, I'll
2: totally do it.
1: Uh, uh, so, so I, I guess I'd love to go back to the beginning of your career. So how did you, you said you grew up in Michigan. I'm from the Midwest too. I'm from Illinois. So, uh, shout out to the Midwest. Uh, (laughs) where, when did you, when did you, how did you get on the path to becoming a filmmaker? How did you, how did you get into, into what you do?
0: I think when I was a little kid, I just, I really always loved, um, just cinema. There was something like, I remember being, terribly young uh and watching a like afternoon matinee on like one of the four channels that we had in the middle of nowhere. Um that was about that was uh the movie The Player.
2: Oh yeah. Okay. Robert and Altman. Yeah. I,
0: yeah, I think that movie played such a huge role in like me wanting to be in the film industry. Um and I just kind of carried that with me that I I knew that I wanted to work there and I knew that it was like, you know, this this thing that I could, um, you know, see myself having a career in later in life. And even in high school, you know, I, I did the same thing. I wanted to work in film. I was always told that that wasn't a real job naturally. (laughs) (laughs) Always. Um, (laughs) But I somehow, I don't know. Like I just kind of, when I think about it now, I'm like, man, I don't know how I ended up here because you know, the world was so different. I graduated in 2002, Mm -hmm. um, and the world to get into the film industry or to do like indies or industrials was so different than it is now Mm -hmm. that, you know, I think I probably used Craigslist and I got on an industrial and I just kind of went from there. But when I first started working, I was doing producing work, um, for documentaries and industrials
1: in the Midwest, or and did you study film in college or, or makeup or any like crap did you study that in school or did you just kind of like keep your eyes on the prize i've got to get on a film set somehow
0: um i had started like i had just kind of you know figured out how to get to some indie somewhere um <clears throat> when i was 18 years old wow but um Somewhere along the way, I was like, man, I really have to focus on my life and figure out what's going on. Because you know, when you first start, you don't really know where you're at or you're, you don't know what you want to do. Um, I just got lucky because I, I met the right people at the right time. And I started doing producing work and I did mm-hmm. some stuff for PBS. Mm-hmm. Um, I came into makeup as a favor to someone. I thought that they were calling me to work in the office. Um, because i had been doing producing stuff <laughs> and he was like no uh, can you come shadow this makeup artist we just urgently need somebody i don't know what to do um you know we'll pay you to shadow her for a couple of days it's two two kids on a green screen um and that's it and so you know after i was like uh, yeah but i'm not, not a makeup artist i don't do that <laughs> I don't have stuff. <laughs> like, I'm not familiar with this territory. And so, you know, he conned me into it. I went there. The makeup department had just so happened to be somebody who was um, very active in Detroit and Chicago mm. and Indianapolis and stuff like that in that region.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, her and I really hit it off. And then the next thing you know, the film incentive just exploded in Michigan.
1: Uh right. Right. Right.
0: Um, right. it was at the, it was kind of near the beginning of like these, these incentives that were pulling work out of LA and yeah. just shoving it to whoever had the most money to give.
1: Sure. Sure. New Orleans, New um, Mexico, Atlanta, all that.
0: It was know. everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. was like, North Carolina was like the big one oh, and right, then it just right, shifted right, right. right to Detroit. Right. Right. Um, so then there were like 60 productions in, in Detroit all at once. Um, and she just so happened to be that makeup artist, just so happened to be going to the first film under the Michigan incentive, uh, which was called Prayers for Bobby. It was a lifetime movie. Um, it was the first gay lifetime movie. Wow. And she asked me to key and I was like, you know what? Screw it, sure. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I moved into that trailer. I had no gear, you know, I didn't I didn't know anything about anything. Um and somewhere along that that uh show, like, well, not even somewhere along the show, the very first day of me moving <laughs> into the trailer, um, she was injured.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. That's not that I mean, geez.
0: That's not yeah, she's okay. She's yeah, all right. <laughs>
1: that's good. Well, I'm just saying such a good story. Right. This is such a good story. I'm like, I'm like, I can't believe how amazing this is.
0: She was injured. Um, and then I became department head for a few days. And I had no idea what I was doing because I luckily like I had producing skills of some sort and was familiar with work on set. So I understood the scheduling and stuff. But mm-hmm. when it came to like figuring out looks for things, like I didn't know the first thing about anything. And so mm-hmm. um Sigourney Weaver was on our show. Wow. And she had a personal, luckily for me. <laughs> um, and he came over and he was like, Do you need me to help you? I heard what happened and and all that stuff. And I was like, you know, no, I- I'm okay. I'm okay. I'll figure this out. And um, you know, him and I, we kind of got close during that show because uh, I think he saw that I was like really in the trenches. I was like trying to, to pull this together all by myself in the trailer and like figuring out things. Cause we didn't have a third, it was a lifetime movie. So there was just me and the department head. Wow. Um, and so Uh, after that show had wrapped he called me to come work with him and uh he's that's that guy's peter rob king who's like one of my favorite humans ever um i didn't really know who he was at the time uh probably because (laughs) i was just so naive and like young i was like 20 21 years old maybe right (laughs) and I was like "Mm, whatever I'm gonna angsty I'm gonna go do my own thing I was an emo kid Um, and he you know he's now I'm just like oh shit I gotta go talk to Peter because we talk you know through email because he's from London but I'm like man I really have to get back and talk about all these crazy things that he did because he did Return of the Jedi oh
1: my god he did i mean, looking last of the Mohicans aliens like Jesus Christ (laughs) yeah I mean it's Indiana Jones whoa okay this guy is I just watched The Fugitive last night unfucking believable,
0: yeah. and so it just so happened to be he became my movie dad.
1: <laughs> wow. wow it was
0: like I think that's a lot of what our business is. It's just kind of like fumbling into success one way or another. like if you just really stay on that path, there's something about longevity that you will meet the right people and you'll get to where you're going, mm-hmm. regardless,
1: but you know, I think it's really a testament, you know, to you that obviously, you're in this situation that is super stressful and super could be really disastrous. And yet you kind of just embrace it. And even the fact that he came to you and said, you know, I can help you. And, you know, through that experience, he saw that you had, you know, what it took to, to do the job. It, it, it's, it's, it, it's very inspiring because you obviously were, you cared very much about what you were doing and learning what you were doing, even though you were in this high pressure uh, situation, but also then that somebody of his level, you know, with Sigourney Weaver at the time, that's like peak powers is also kind to you and nice to you and mentors you uh, to a certain degree is really lovely. You know, it's like sometimes our business, like it, it does, there are really nice, really good people working. (laughs) Obviously, obviously you're one of them and you've learned from other people like that. So that's just really cool.
0: You know, my favorite my favorite thing about that film and meeting Peter on that film was that one, it didn't occur to me because I had no experience in the makeup department. I had no business being there. Um, was that we were doing a period piece from the 70s. I probably half of the movie because she my department had got injured <laughs> is not period work because I probably just didn't I didn't even think it was a period piece. <laughs> <laughs> um but peter there was like this moment in that film where these two guys go and they um you know they're they're figuring out who they are they're gay it's the 1970s it's in san francisco um and it's halloween and so they dress up as frankenfurter
1: oh and yeah. uh, magenta, <laughs> magenta riffraff yeah. or yeah or but i
0: can't remember who the other one was like so Our cast member, he dressed up as Frankenfurter, and I can't remember who the the day player dressed up as. But, um, so they come and they like go to this door, and the door opens, and they're dressed like Rocky Horror, right? Yeah. And Peter came up to me that day, and he he was just like he's he's English, so and he had this like crazy long beard, and he would like (laughs) when he was thinking he would stroke his beard. (laughs) And he came up, and he was just stroking his beard, and he was like, "You did a pretty good job." And I was like, what the hell? Like, okay. <laughs> like, what is this guy talking about? Like, I just kind of brushed it off. And then, like, at toward the end of the film, my department head, her name was Elizabeth, she was like, that's really great that Peter complimented you on that stuff. And I was like, why is that? Because he was department head of Rocky Horror.
1: And I was like, oh, oh, my
0: God. I had never seen that. I had never seen it at that point either. I had never seen it Horror.
1: Wow. Holy shit. That is fucking great. So that is so cool.
2: Yeah,
1: very much so. And, you know, now that I think about it, too, because I just rewatched that a while ago you know, Frankenfurter's makeup on his face. Tim Curry's makeup is so spectacular. As is, as is Magenta's. You know, all, all the makeup in that film on the on the men and women is just like Chef's Kiss. So that's really cool. It's so interesting to that is. I mean, you must have felt so great.
0: <laughs> yeah. At the same time, though, I was just like, whatever. And then, sure. I hadn't sure. worked with Peter exclusively at that point because it was my first real show, right? Sure. Um, when when we had come back and. um we were like the last movie I think that Peter and I worked on together was called five-year engagement. Mm-hmm. And during that Alison Bree mm-hmm. was in the makeup chair and she was talking to Peter. She looked him up on uh, IMDB and she was naming off all these movies and it's like, okay, I had heard all this stuff. Like people always like, Oh my God, they did return of the Jedi stuff like that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And
0: I was like, whatever. <laughs> and it's just Peter. And then, um, she was like, oh my God, and you did legend. And I think legend was that that movie for me. Oh wow. That I was like, oh shit, Peter did legend and we could have been talking about it this entire time.
1: Fuck. Oh my God! Legend How is great. remarkable, remarkable. It's remarkable. It's like it's such a beautiful movie. It's a beautiful movie. It's like it's like one of the very underrated Ridley Scott movies. People, you know, people talk mm-hmm. about Blade Runner and and and, and Louise, and, and yes, he's an amazing director. But that movie is like big budget fantasy, and it's like essentially a silent movie, right? It's it's all visual. I mean, it's all makeup and hair and costume mm-hmm. and production design. Wow, that is so cool.
0: Yeah, you have to get Peter on here and talk to him.
1: I'd love to. I would love to. I would love to if you would hook. Yeah, would-
0: yeah. so he would probably love to do it.
1: I would. He's love got to- the
0: best stories.
1: I would love to speak to him, but I guess, I guess, to t- to talk about your journey. Uh, a little bit more, what what was it, you know, talking about that very first movie, what do you think are the things that you sort of, the mistakes you made and the things you learned that you sort of always still look out for now? You know what I mean? Like like those lessons that you're just like, it never changes, you know what I mean? It's always sort of the same process, regardless of the the actor, the director, et cetera.
0: I think, I think the thing that I've taken away from like the early part of my career is just being prepared for everything. And when shit hits the fan, like we, we can't just freak out and like burn down the makeup trailer. Like we have to (laughs) kind of stay focused. I think it maybe it becomes that thing where I was, you know, I'm born of baptism by fire. Mm. Like I kind of stumbled along the way. I didn't really know where I belonged. And then, you know, I also, um, you know, somewhere in the middle of my career, I decided to go back to college and I got a degree in camera. Like, I, I kind of just weaved in and out. And so now, now that I'm older, and, you know, I understand, um, you know, production has limitations. And sometimes you're working with crazy people. And um, to just take everything in stride that sometimes it's not really about you. Mm -hmm. And not really about your department. It's, it's that you have to kind of focus and be, you know, be good at mediating and um you know giving responsibility that i feel the thing that i notice the most when i see troubled departments versus our our department is that um i feel like i'm a team player because mm-hmm. i think that we're all so important in that in that department that we all have something to offer we all learn from each other all the time mm-hmm. there's no one star in the department Like Mm -hmm. I don't consider myself the star of the department as a designer or Mm -hmm. um, a department head. And I think that's, that's something that I carry with me. I get that. I think a lot from Peter, because even, you know, when I was working with him, he would make me coffee in the morning. And, you know, if, when he was done reading his newspaper, he would hand me his newspaper. He, it never felt like, I was the underling in mm-hmm. the department. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most important thing that I carry with me from those times. It's just, you know, working through the, knowing that you might get in the trenches, but there is a clear way out of it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: And what advice do you have? I guess two things to sort. Because I've taken a lot of your time. Uh, uh, what, what advice do you have? A for directors, you know, uh, that you wish you could sort of, you know, tell sort of past and present that you wish they would consider when they're working with makeup and they're working with with you. And then I guess the other, the other, the two part would the second part of that would be what advice do you have to anyone who wants to do what you do.
0: You know, for for Werewolf by Night, like we got really lucky because Michael was so excited about the project, and he um, he really loved what he was doing. And sometimes we have directors that are not like that. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows why they're there? Who knows why they're working on it? Maybe they're a first time director. I think those directors are sometimes the hardest to work for, just because they don't know, you know, the nomenclature of all of the stuff that we do, or like mm-hmm. how to talk about what we're doing. Um and so for us I think for directors you know working with the makeup department it's important to to kind of have to be open to ideas um to not necessarily shut everything down because sometimes we're making decisions that are related to the actors request um you know we have all these like ideas to marry it's like producers writers actors director and then us Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's it's such a huge collision and such an, an undertaking um, that it causes a lot of stress on the department. And uh, having a director who's who's open to ideas and then saying why they do not like something and why they actually like something
2: mm-hmm.
0: is such a huge a huge thing because sometimes they'll be like I like this and you'll say Why do you like that though? And they'll just be like I don't know I just like it. <laughs> it's like that doesn't help me figure yeah. out what we're trying to do here because mm-hmm. I don't know what you're responding to about why you like that specific mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so learning how to talk, I mean, learning how to talk to departments in general, mm-hmm. I think is is a thing that's important for producers and directors to know. Mm-hmm. Because we're supposed to be as a team, but we also have, you know, we need to to do the best job possible to make that person's vision
2: mm-hmm.
0: an actual thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm
0: without all the information we can't really do that and when all the information's jumbled we definitely can't do that
1: right right i always like to say that you know the the each head of the department is sort of the director of their department you know and right. and you sort of want them to they are, they are, you, you hired them to do their thing. <laughs> you know? So you, right. you need to, you need to let them do their thing along with you. You know, Guillermo del Toro has a really funny thing where he says, he says, oh, the directors like to say, oh, I have a vision. He says, what am I on fucking peyote? He's like, he's like a movie is an experience. <laughs> he's like, he's like, and I have all these people around me and together we're having this experience to tell this story. And I, I thought that was a really interesting way to, to, to put it. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess, and what advice would you have for someone who wants to do what? you do um you know young old or 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 otherwise
0: i think what i tell people now so i i also work for the union which i spent um i work for 798 i'm an education director so i'm somebody who who is an open book in a lot of different areas Mm -hmm. i'm not a gatekeeper Mm -hmm. Um, and i think that the thing that I've I've been telling people the most is just like really stay with it. Like sometimes you have bad moments where you make mistakes. You know, you don't you definitely don't want to make those mistakes at Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> make those mistakes somewhere else. You know, that was my favorite advice from art school was that I had a professor that said, um, you know, if you're gonna be doing a bunch of shit, just do it here. <laughs> don't go out into the real world. <laughs> and make a bunch of trash and so I think about that when I'm talking to people who want to work in our industry as a makeup you know makeup artist or makeup department head I'm just like you need to go to go to the indies on some really low budget stuff and make your mistakes there figure out who you are and what you want to be and then And then come over here and like, don't make those mistakes. Yeah. yeah. Because sometimes, you know, your last job is basically the only person you are. Mm -hmm. 100%. You know, producers look at your last job. They'll look at the last couple jobs. Even if you have a resume that's, you know, 200 credits long, mm-hmm. they really only care about the last couple projects that you've worked on.
1: Hundred percent. So
0: don't do garbage at Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> try to bring your A game. Um, but also like, you know, you meet, you meet shitty people along the way and you, you need to learn how to navigate that. You can't scream and throw things and,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and do all that. And there's such a reactionary thing now with, with people. What do you mean? Like, I see, like, if you go on TikTok, it's just people yelling at each other. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm.
2: There's
0: a lot of animosity. There's like the stress from like COVID and people getting back to work and, and health and safety at work. And there's, Mm -hmm, there's lots mm -hmm. of people who are on edge Mm -hmm. all the time. There was, um, you know, an impending union strike that pissed a lot of people off. Mm
2: -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. Um, so there's a lot of crazy things happening in our business right now, like undercurrents of, of hostility. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to kind of remain, you know, just remain a calm, present person, get mm-hmm. get some crystals and sage yourself, <laughs> take it easy, take a deep breath, learn to meditate, all that kind of stuff. Cause our department specifically is very, um, can be very toxic. There can yeah. be toxic people in the makeup department.
1: Yeah. You guys are at the crossroads of kind of like, you know, the therapy, uh, uh, the therapy couch. And it's like, I feel like wardrobe and wardrobe hair and makeup is, is this place where the actor is, you know, comes in naked and, and leaves, you know, for work. And so you guys are like nurses and doctors and, and, you know, mothers and fathers.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And we set the tone for the day Mm -hmm, because the mm -hmm. actors see us the first thing in the morning and they usually see us right before they leave. And so we really do set the tone for Mm -hmm. the entire day for everyone around us. Mm
2: -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. Well said. This has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much, Ellen. Thank you for giving me your time. This is great. This has been a great conversation.
0: Well, thank you for having me. Did I answer everything? Do you need anything else from me?
1: No, no, I don't think so. I mean, it's just so nice to hear about, you know, like your craft and and what you do and, and sort of how you do it and your point of view, too. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, obviously, I love Werewolf by Night, but it's also so fascinating to hear about, you know, you working on that Lifetime movie. You know, it's like, this is really sort of about how people, you know, live their life in in movies as opposed to it is you know what i mean like right. I, I, early on early on i i had this thing where i was like trying to talk to people about every movie they ever did
0: <laughs> and
1: mm-hmm. and it's fine like sometimes you know there were some guests who like you did you know but but even then it kind of got in the way of just like connecting with people and having a conversation so i've learned to just sort of like you know it's like you can't cover everything you know what i mean so it's really nice to just get to know someone you know, beyond beyond the work too. I think it's a more it's a more interesting conversation for the listener, hopefully.
0: Right. I think too, like I was listening to your podcast yesterday. Oh, thanks. And I was like,
1: who'd yeah, you listen? Course. Who'd you
0: listen to? I listened to the newest one, the editor.
1: Oh, Brett Bachman or
0: Yeah. He talked about uh, oh man, I'd have to look at my phone. It was no, that's, he that's did a... Mandy.
1: Oh yeah, right? that's Brett. Yeah, Brett. He's awesome. Okay. He's great. That guy's awesome. Yeah, yeah, so I
0: was listening to that and it's it's great to hear a podcast that doesn't necessarily focus on one one department or the other and is kind of like a good introduction for anybody wanting to know like what each of the departments do. Cause I do think there's um that's another thing that's important for young people who want to be in our business to understand that, mm-hmm. you know, there all these departments are working together for one product mm-hmm. under a studio. And so uh, it's important to think about how you're impacting those departments, um, things that that are going to be changed. Like, you can't just marry yourself to an idea. Like, at Marvel, you know, I know that when we did all this great work at on Werewolf by Night, but I knew that there was potential that it could go into post-production and they could just be like, wow, we hate this.
2: Mm-hmm,
0: we mm-hmm. need to reshoot this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, or we're just going to edit it out completely. Right. Which I've seen. Cause I, you know, yeah. um. but fortunately for us, like I think that we, for that show specifically, like we were all on the same page and we were all super excited. And I think that kind of radiates out to the viewer that, that the people who are making this film, like really loved what they were doing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But it's important to keep in mind that, you know, you can't be married to one thing or the other Mm -hmm. and you can't, uh, you know, you can't infringe on other departments and, and stuff like that. And it even comes down to like the little things that we have on set. Like I see people get in fights all the time about tents. I, i'll see 10 fights all the time at it's
1: so funny <laughs> it's it's so funny on the on the i i just ended up uh <clears throat> we're about to lock picture on my first feature film uh and when we were making it um there would be this whole thing where departments during production music would be like well, i don't want to step on anyone's toes and i was like and, and this whole thing and you're like guys, just everybody just, it's okay. Take a like breath. if somebody, if somebody's got a better way to do something, they're not, they're not firing you on the spot. I mean, I understand where that comes from. I'm sure in more acrimonious times or toxic times, people were screwing each other over behind the scenes and this kind of thing. But, but it's just that, that whole like tense, tense thing is like, you have to, I feel like you, like you said, you have to work hard to alleviate that, you know, to like uh, to just let everyone feel free to have ideas. Makeup can have ideas for hair and vice versa and camera and, you know, and then you have to police it obviously, but uh, it should be a dialogue. I mean, part of this podcast is that I really want people to it just drives me crazy. I'm like, Oh, they just do the makeup or, Oh, they just do the hair. It's like that they were They work with the actor more than the director does. Sometimes, do you know what I mean? It's like, right? It's so intimate, and it's so a piece of the whole cloth that becomes a movie. And if and and it's like Brian De Palma has this thing where he's like, he's like, you can have a movie be ninety nine percent, and the one percent will sink you. <laughs> you it's mm-hmm. ev- everything has to be perfect, and that comes from every person, like you said being on the same page, but also I love the term, you know, everybody's making the same movie, you know, like that. That's really hard to pull off, which, which I have to say, congrats to you guys because you did on werewolf by night. I mean, it, it just shows it's just such a, such a labor of love and, and, and such a, you can tell a family made it, you know?
0: Right. I, there was a hairdresser that I worked with years ago who, while we were shooting, if we'd be shooting at like 3am or something and the director would shoot and shoot and shoot. And <laughs> she would just look at me and she would just be like, are we making art yet? and you know it's supposed to be funny but when i saw werewolf by night um i was like holy shit you guys i think we made art
1: (laughs) well this has been awesome i don't want to take up any more of your of your of your saturday morning thank you it's so cool to meet you yeah
0: yes thank you likewise